My name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to episode number 17 of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, featuring my super sweet conversation with the wonderfully talented musician, East Forest. Almost every ceremony, indigenous ceremony, that we have an example of its ancient lineage uses music as the vehicle of the ceremony. It is the ceremony. And there's a reason why. And, and we can't ignore that uh, across cultures. So um, I think it's the key. It's a very useful key to unlocking a pretty powerful inner door. And the world is entering through a bell curve of introspection. And I think that's exactly what the planet needs. And we need as a species to learn and to change. And I think music is one of the many tools we have in our belt to help us dive within. And psychedelics for me, although I don't engage in them all super often, they, they're a way of like reorienting your map and your compass in a way. Um, and they've been very powerful for me at that, of, of teaching me about what's really important to me. Certain psychedelic moments have shown me a possibility, not just shown me, like I was in it, I felt it, it was real. And that was really, really important for me to believe that something more could be possible that I knew could be, but I didn't. It gave me an actual experience of, of, of certain things, of, of states and seen behind the veil of just my mind. That it's like, it's just a tool that's like a really powerful tool for me, but it's not like the thing. Life is the thing, right? That's, that's really everything and I'm not escaping life. I just have these moments where it helps me direct what I want to do with this life. And it, it helps me awaken to the presence of just what is and being. Uh, there isn't anything else anyway. <laughs> So it, it breaks through the Maya and the illusion. If you're not yet acquainted with East Forest's music, especially if you're on the medicine path, I highly recommend tuning into what he's been putting out there. He is such a prolific creator and has about 30 albums that you can listen to on Spotify, iTunes, or download on Bandcamp. And as we know, these have been really hard times for a lot of people. And I work a lot with entrepreneurs and executives and CEOs who are feeling the weight of stress just from chronic overdoing, which is a territory I'm also very familiar with. And just the stress of riding these huge waves of change that we all face. And one of the first things I always recommend to my clients is to give themselves permission to slow down and go within, which, as we know, is so much easier said than done. And music can really offer us that doorway to go within, that invitation. And through the music that East Forest creates, it's really offering this bridge for us to come home to ourselves, inviting more introspection. And by doing less, it actually allows us to be much more effective in the way we show up and influence change. And he has quite a few meditation tracks, both guided and instrumental, that I always recommend to my clients that I also listen to quite frequently. One of them is called Meditation for Chaotic Times. And here's a little clip. As we breathe in through our nose and out through the mouth, 
the music takes us inward. Good. In times of chaos, in times of, of great change, great transition, when it feels like things are coming at us, forces from outside that we can't control, medicine we need and what is being asked of us is an inner fortitude to bring as much presence as we can. Because the mind will want to go to the future and the past to protect ourselves. And we can say thank you to the mind, to say thank you for doing your job. But we have to keep returning to the now, into our hearts. Right now, let's breathe into the heart, into the nose. And I feature East Forest on my four free music playlists for psychedelic journeys and beyond. And one of those playlists offers a variety of options to support introspection and a meditation practice. And when you download those playlists on my website, livefreelauraD.com, it also comes with a whole guide on how to curate your own music playlist for psychedelic journeys. Because as we know, music plays a large and influential role in the outcome of our psychedelic experiences. And so it's worth putting in the time to fine tune a playlist that will resonate with you. And in that free guide, I also feature a whole section just on East Forest, since he's created an entire album called Music for Mushrooms, which is well worth listening to. And I don't just journey with his music. I also wake up to his music. I do yoga to his music. I also make love to his music, which, okay, is probably a little too much information. But it's just to say that his music is so moving and deeply touching and incredibly beautiful. And I love his album he came out with featuring audio clips from Ram Dass. And in this episode, East Forest talks about the time he spent with Ram Dass and just how special that was. And I'll be weaving his music throughout this entire conversation, which is why I think I loved producing this episode. I think it's been my favorite one so far. So all the music you hear in this episode is from East Forest. And there was a bit of a chunk at the end of our conversation that I had to take out to make this episode a little more compact. And I removed a big section where I was asking him about a book that he's currently working on and kind of struggling through. And as someone who's published two books myself, I totally understand how hard it is to complete a project like that. But he said something in there that I actually didn't want to remove from the conversation about the way that music points to the mystery that was just so well said. So I just want to play that short clip for you before we dive into the whole interview. Yeah. Words are hard because they're so exact. And so you're playing with this thing that's all representational and trying to put it together to create this feeling in a way, convey ideas. And that's a, a real art. Everyone knows this, I guess, but I'm just used to music, which is so much more represent, representational and diffuse. That's what I love about it. I feel like it's, it's almost closer to the mystery inherently from its constituent parts. With words, you have to be really good at them to start to get closer to that mystery and still make sense. I mean, you're playing with the mind to get into the heart. Music can just go right to the heart. So it's been a really unique challenge for me because... I, this is, I, I'm not really, a, I'm not a writer. Or I, I should say I didn't consider myself a writer. Um, so yeah, it's been a really cool experience, but not an easy one. 
East Forrest is thoughtful and well-spoken, and I just appreciate his perspective on things and a lot of what he had to say. And one more quick note before we dive in. I have my three-month microdosing mastermind program coming up this June, July, and August, specifically created for entrepreneurs who want to leverage a conscious microdosing practice to uplevel all aspects of their lives and expand their reach of influence. So if this sounds interesting to you, please check it out on my website, livefreelauraD.com, or reach out to me if you have any questions whatsoever. Also, if you're on Clubhouse, I am hosting a weekly microdosing room every Tuesday between 6 and 8 p.m. And if you're not yet on Clubhouse and you'd like to join me there, I'll include a link to my profile in the show notes. And if you're new to microdosing and you're not sure where to start, you can access my free eight-day microdosing course on my website, livefreelauraD.com. All right, without any further ado, here is my interview with East Forest. can honestly say that I have really been looking forward to this conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks. Yeah. Nice to be here. Okay. So this just feels like mildly awkward to share and really vulnerable, but I feel like I have this like deep sense of connection with you just because I've had these really profound experiences with plant medicines where I literally had you whispering in my ear and I'm just really grateful for those moments that you've really actually held space for me through some incredibly challenging moments of my life. So I just wanted to start this conversation off by saying thank you. Thank you for holding space for me for those moments that felt really tough. Cool. Well, that's very sweet to hear. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. Um, I'm so curious. Where is the name East Forest from? Well, that's, that's easy. That's just my last name translated from German. Os, Oswald, Oswald East Forest. I've had some German speakers that tell me it's not that simple, but my, my novice understanding is that I was, I was just translated. And my former wife spoke German. She was fluent in German. So she just like mentioned that one day, oh, maybe 12 years ago when I, before this project really was anything and I was trying to release my first record and when she said that I was like oh that that'd be a good way to to identify it so I just sort of slapped that on it and it's it's stuck 
So here we are. Hmm, I love it. I love that name. Um, what was your foray into psychedelics? And was that your pathway into sort of the path of spirituality? I would say it, it was my pathway into spirituality. It, I'm trying to think like chicken or the egg kind of thing. And I think what my first important, powerful experience with uh, psychedelics was with, with mushrooms and I was probably 18 or 19 in college. And I had a very strong experience, uh, kind of ego death thing. And thankfully it was positive and uh, it, it was like a really good experience, but it was also a bit confounding. Like I didn't understand what had happened or where <laughs> I'd gone. I, I knew how it felt. It felt really important, <laughs> but uh it was not something I, I understood, not that I understand it now. And I think ever since that experience, I was sort of like chasing that original experience or that feeling or that place of soul space that I felt I was in. And I wanted to be back there. I wanted to return there and understand it more. And a long story short is that I started making music that I could use as a tool to help like engender those states and guide me into them because I'd had after that other experiences where music played a really important role and there'd be moments where it all coalesced in this beautiful way, but I still didn't understand why or how, like how could I repeat that or how could I direct that a little bit? And that, that took me on the journey of trying to figure that out. Um, but absolutely. I think what, you know, for someone who grew up, in a typical American Western way, I was pretty depressed as a kid. And it's something that I've dealt with at different episodes of my life. And certain psychedelic moments have shown me a possibility, not just shown me, like I was in it, I felt it, it was real. <laughs> and that was really, really important for me to believe that something more could be possible that I knew could be, but I didn't, it gave me an actual experience of, of, of certain things of, of states and seen behind the veil of just my mind. Mm -hmm. So yes, yes. It's played a very important role for me. Do you want to know what enlightenment is? It's hard to put words on it, but when you say point to it and it was real and what are we pointing to? I love that you said soul space. That's such a beautiful way, beautiful term. I had not heard that before. Yeah, they're all words and symbols um, for something that is the mystery. And, and sometimes we're able to just get so close to it by a breaking down 
of the structures that are typically in the way of us uh, just being. And a lot of that is the monologue in our head and our identity with our individuality, our identity and our, our ego and so forth. And as, as those things start to have cracks and slip away, uh, oftentimes you're left with uh, what I was calling soul space or God or non-duality, uh, just sort of the, this sort of web of connection that, that holds us all, that we're all in. And it's, I don't always feel it in a way that's always blissful and like unicorns and rainbows. Sometimes it's more just sort of like this extreme law, sense of law, just what is. And that's like the playing field we're on. And there's a power to that. And something like you, there's no point, there is no arguing with it. It just is. Mm -hmm. And when you start to, you start to like feel yourself in the plenum of that energy, it's very, very powerful. Uh, and it's, it's humbling and it's not something I claim to understand. It just feels like it's just this infiniteness of everything. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I love how the, when you're in those states, you feel like you can sum it up. You've the understanding makes sense in the moment and maybe you write it down on paper and you, you come back and it's just like a triangle or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone's and, like, that's just a triangle. Exactly. And it's usually so yeah. just simple and profound. Always. And usually comes with like a deep guttural laughter at the irony of it all. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to say that like, oh, it's a triangle, meaning it has no meaning. I'm like, no, no, no. It You really did understand. Mm-hmm. You really did have these great meanings. You're now coming back into the octave of consciousness of this, this sort of three-dimensional thing. And it's like trying to describe to my dog certain, certain concepts. Like mm -hmm. the dog can't, it just doesn't have that same octave of consciousness. It, we share certain octaves, but it doesn't have these other ones. And it's just like, it's never going to get that unless I dosed my dog or something. Mm -hmm. So as far as like language and things like that. Um, they understand it in their own way. And so we have to understand the mystery in our own way through representational reality, songs, music, art, poetry, uh, yeah, and these altered states. Mm. So similar to the chicken or the egg with spirituality, which came first for you? Was Were you already musically inclined or did that really take off after you started working with psychedelics? I mean, it's kind of remarkable. I've seen this happen so much where people have never played music before and then they'll go sit with ayahuasca and like, I'll see them three months later and they're literally popping out songs. I, I just, it's always just so fascinating to see how psychedelics encourage our creativity. So what was that like for you? I think we're all musicians uh, on the level that we all can engage with music. Uh, I, I was weaved in and out of, of music my whole life since I was a little kid, but I don't think I really started to find my own voice, my way with it until psilocybin gave me sort of a practice of, you know, a purpose of, of, of working with it to make music, to guide people, to guide myself. And then things really started to deepen and open up and, and become like everything came together in the sense of like my life itself and the way I walk my walk and my work all became one thing. And so that kind of harmony of everything coming together like that, uh, I think it just allowed it to, to blossom mm. a little bit better because I wasn't 
trying to pander anymore. It was just more like what works or what really excites me, like just what really excites me. And that's where it was starting from. And I try to keep that as my North Star today because mm-hmm. every every day there's the chance to sort of fall off the saddle and you're like by all the different things that come to you know, all the shiny things and offers and this is and that's and people you meet and you're always like, okay, is the motivation here uh, because it's still coming from that place of truth of like, is it still touching that place that I was reaching for internally so many years ago? Or am I excited for some sort of, is it, have I lost my way in like a false, a false North star? But I think it's something that you redirect. You're kind of always tweaking the ship wheel that you're steering little, you know, moment to moment every day. Mm-hmm. And psychedelics for me, although I don't engage in them all super often, they, they're a way of like reorienting your map and your compass in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been very powerful for me at that, of, of teaching me about what's really important to me. Mm-hmm. I love how you said, did you create the music that you needed for your own healing? Yeah. I, I mean, inadvertently and inadvertently, it was that first record. It's now, it, I put it out. It's called The Education of the Individual Soul. And it's uh, free to download on my site. Always has been, always will be. I, yeah, it's, I just worked on that for like a year back in 2008. And I didn't really know what I was making. I didn't have a plan with it. But at the end of it, I knew it was inspired by certain moments I'd had on uh, psilocybin. And so I wanted to kind of honor that. Hmm. And I had a little ceremony where I I took some mushrooms and lay on my bed. And when the medicine came on, I put the headphones on and hit play on this record I'd made. And it changed my life. I mean, it really felt like that was the birth of what became East Forest. It was a very clear like before and after. And I felt like it was a, I, I just felt that my, my, it's like my soul had tricked my ego into creating this art piece to use as a tool in that moment to transcend into a new sense of being. And I didn't even realize what I was making that whole year. <laughs> I was just making it. Mm. And all of a sudden I was like, what did I do? I just like, and that was good enough for me. I was ready to just lay it down there and say, that's what it was for. But I shared it with like my girlfriend and my roommate, a friend, and they started having really profound experiences. And then one of them pushed me into like, hey, I organized a circle. You're going to play for it. I was like, I don't know about this. He's like, it's cool. It's Saturday. Just, you know, you got to show up. And he just kept doing more and more of that. And because of that, I, I started developing uh, a protocol. Like, okay, how do I, how do I do this? How do we, how do we guide people? How do we make it safe and powerful and, and positive? And, uh, Long story short, uh, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept doing that. I never thought the world would catch up to that being at all mainstream. It was very underground, very underground and very fringe. You know, 12 years ago, it's not that long, but believe me, it was not, it still was super stigmatized. Oh my God, people are doing drugs and this and that. It's like, you couldn't get advertisers on websites if you wrote articles about it. And like now it's the opposite. <laughs> you can invest mm-hmm. in companies making the medicine. And uh, there's so many, it's like a land rush. I feel like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't changed what I'm doing at all. Uh, but I just was surprised that 
some of this long form experimental ambient shamanic whatever it is music could find a place like you said uh, you don't have to journey to it also it's just about introspection introspection and the world is entering through a bell curve of introspection and i think that's exactly what the planet needs and we need as a species to learn and to change and i think music is one of the many tools we have in our belt to help us dive within are crossing the midline and the average age of the soul is becoming mature and with recording all humans will be enhanced in their introspection and how they learn to go within and introspect states of consciousness for over two decades now and I could never have imagined that psychedelics and plant medicines would have gone mainstream like they are today. I just like I don't think anyone saw this coming and yet I just don't think that it's a coincidence that as we're facing this time of upheaval and transition and crisis that we're also witnessing the proliferation of these powerful substances that fundamentally change the way we perceive and the way that we think. I mean, what's your narrative around this? I mean, you can't not see it, right? You can't not see the alignment of the transition we're in as a people and the role that psychedelics play in it, especially for anyone who's had the, an experience with psychedelics, a peak state of altered consciousness. I think I don't have to explain that, what it feels like, but I've often felt that when it's sort of like a yin yang of growth and of death and birth, where the more, as we're seeing one level of chaos and destruction, uh, the unveiling, so to speak, the burning of the fields, and we have e equal measure, there's a level of an uprising of another energy of revelation and change and choice. And so I think they do go hand in hand and it's important to hold that truth if it has meaning for you because it's easy to focus on the destruction. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's, that's half the picture and that is true and that suffering is real. Um, but it sure seems that psychedelics are playing a role as an accelerant. I can only speak for myself and that it's like, it's just a tool that's like a really powerful tool for me, but it's not like the thing. Life is the thing, right? That's, that's really everything. And I'm not escaping life. I just have these moments where it helps me direct what I want to do with this life. Mm -hmm. And it, it helps me awaken to the presence of just what is and being, uh, there isn't anything else anyway. <laughs> so it, it, it breaks through the Maya and uh, the illusion of you know, our obsession with the, the past and the future. Our, our attempts to protect ourselves. And really in a time when it's it's so 
fractured, polarized, and intense, it really takes some serious uh, Jedi energy and uh, this this kind of soldier energy of love, of focus, because falling off you know, your point of presence is incredibly easy these days, and our attention is vied for by you know thousands of actors a day, mostly digital. Mm. And so it really is up to us as individuals to write that ship and to do it uh, from moment to moment, you know, hour by hour. And, and I'll admit it's, it's hard work, but I think uh, things like those psychedelic journeys can be really powerful tools to create accelerant of change. I should say accelerant of choice. Like people make the changes themselves and the choices. You can easily have these experiences and do nothing with it. <laughs> um, that, that's your choice. So integration in some ways is everything, but um, I, I'm hopeful. I really am. I mean, I think it's going to be messy a bit this revolution of, of science and legality and decriminalization, but I'm quite hopeful that this is the path I would like to see. I would, I certainly don't want to see people in jail or their lives ruined for engaging with uh, their own consciousness and the, and these chemicals and plants, but there's going to be some mistakes and there's going to be some bad actors and there's going to be, mm-hmm. uh, just so as I was saying before, it's going to be a bit of both. Mm. What was your feeling about putting out an album specifically called Music for Mushrooms and just naming it so overtly? Have you received any criticism around that? And do you feel like that's encouraging people to work with psychedelics at home? Do you feel a sense of responsibility around that? I mean, ethically, just what are your thoughts on that? I tend to be a little more on the spectrum of caution and care. Uh, that being said, I, I'm in the I'm in the business of providing tools and information for people. I think people are out there doing the things they want to do. They're going to explore with psychedelics, so I want to be giving them a guide or a tool or information. I just want I'm playing a small role in that, but I saw a void with music and the role music plays, particularly in in mushrooms and psilocybin and and. Early, it was in the research that was going on at you know the the various institutions, but regular folks. And I had been doing this work underground in our circles for it had been a long time. And I was like, well, we have a protocol that's working for us, and we have I have this music, and I'd been sharing it, but not saying I just shared the music as a musician. And so a few years ago, I just thought I really I'm really feeling the calling to just put out a full experience and call it what it is. So it's a five hour album, music for mushrooms, a soundtrack for the psychedelic practitioner. And it's from a ceremony and it's live and it's improvised and there it is. And I wanted it to serve as a digital guide essentially. And I didn't know if that would work uh, because when we do it live, I'm playing, I'm responding in a sense to the energy in the room. And so I think this is sort of a static experience. I'm like, well, will that work? I don't know, but I was willing to try. And it seems uh, from the my friends and then the messages I get from people all over the world, uh, you know, it's it's profoundly touching to hear someone say, you know, I had this journey and it was really going bad. Like, and I know what that feels like. Mm how terrifying that is and how I, 
and they say something, somehow I thought of this record or I remembered and somehow I got it playing. And then it took me on a journey and it went into like complete healing and bliss. And like, I figured, you know, thank you. Th you saved my life. Hmm. And I know I didn't save your life. I know the music played a role in them saving their own life, but I know what they went through in that sense. Cause I've gone through that <laughs> and just helping one person to me is enough. I mean, it was enough when I had just my own experience. So I think this has the potential to reach many thousands of people over decades. Um, and I just want it to be a, a tool. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think it's important for us to be providing lots of information and tools and, and, and learning and experimenting and seeing what works. I'm not afraid of experimenting with technology and how that could maybe help or maybe not, but let's, let's play, let's find out, you know, because maybe we can learn some really powerful additional ways. Um, so I, I actually think there's people pushing the limits a lot more than me. So I don't get a lot of criticism about advocating for it or, cause I, I feel like I'm quite measured about it and, I do not, um, you know, engage in something where I am doing anything like illegal or, you know, pushing anyone's limits or I, I'm just here offering information and, and tools. But there are some, uh, just to talk about like the pandemic and people not gathering, hopefully we'll be moving through that hopefully soon. I don't know, but it, maybe not. Um, I, I've seen some circles happening on Zoom where you have the music, uh, say they use my album, playing everyone's on the same timeline from one device. So you're not looking at a screen. And then, there, but you have a sitter on Zoom who's maybe watching three people, right? So there's multiple sitters. And so you kind of have somebody there and there is a circle of people and you engage with that circle before and after, maybe the next morning integration. And people have actually reported it being extremely positive and there are new advantages they hadn't thought of. Like um, I felt more comfortable in my own home as mm -hmm. opposed to traveling to some place or another country. Uh, so these are sort of like the, the silver linings inside the bitter medicine. And there's many of those. And so I think there's, there's a lot to learn and I think there's experiences to gain, but I think experimentation is good but it, I think having great, great care and something like the North Star Pledge, for instance, about psychedelic ethics and in therapy, these things are extremely important. I mean, I could go on and on about this, but you know, ketamine therapy, it's like a lot of these centers, they're just injecting people. There's actually no therapy. <laughs> they're just giving you the medicine. I'm like, that's a small part of it, but you're really like taking people into soul space and very vulnerable states. Like we need to bring more care to this and more structure and more more just more guidance more holding and we're getting there but it's a learning process mm, i feel that um i don't i do tell people though it's like that you know you're not it's about lessening of control in a way and so you can't say that you know a psychedelic journey is going to be like such and such uh you set yourself up for success but i don't know you know and sometimes people do have challenging experiences sometimes they do have contradictory uh, things going on with other medic medications or conditions they have, or certainly life circumstances, and these are real. Mm -hmm. um, it it could be uh, psychologically traumatic. Um, I've certainly had my own share of psychologically traumatic experiences, and I don't take those lightly at all. And so I do not think it's a panacea that's right for everyone. And it's okay if you don't want to do that. 
you can have a meaningful, powerful spiritual life. If there's no game or scale to say, if you're not in the psychedelic club, you're missing out on something. I mean, is it extraordinary? Yeah, it really is. But my heart tells me it's not a requirement to be a human being. It's just, it's just one of the many things uh, on this planet mm-hmm. available to us. I'd love to get a little metaphysical with you here. Um, I'm just so curious because from my experience with journeying with plant medicines, I feel like because I'm in an altered state of consciousness, that it's the frequency of sound and the lyrics oftentimes that are being carried from that sound that can like penetrate my subconscious mind in a different way than I normally could access in normal waking consciousness. How much do you feel like sound is the the vehicle for healing in ceremonies? I've felt what I feel like you're insinuating on music. It's really what I was talking about before, what drove me to try and make my own music. Um, when we're on psychedelics, your things are amplified, right? You're more receptive. And I, so I think that's why it's important or helpful to be careful about what you want to amplify and what you're bringing in. Because I think you know, really perfunctory things like just a flower or a piece of gravel. I mean, anything, you can start to see the true beauty and and miracle of anything, including in the way music works. If you just think about it on face value, it's incredible. It's like we take, there's just ratios in in the universe in a sense. So we take rhythm by hitting things together. And then we take various tones that we can manipulate in all these different ratios to make harmonies. And there's only, there's only 12 notes on a piano just for reference. And for most music is made with those 12 notes and we've made infinite songs. (laughs) It's just like, and it's so present in our lives. It's like asking a fish what water is. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. It's so important to us. And we talk with sounds and it's like, we're swimming in music and swimming in the rhythm and tonality. And so I, I think it's an incredibly powerful tool, but it's one that's incredibly infinitely complex. And that's why it's an art. You know, that's why when we connect with music that feels authentic or in the moment or in some flow or a real voice of someone we like it because it's that means it's closer to the void it's closer to the mystery it's it's right up against or tethered into the actual source and it's it's translating it through the music now into this dimensional reality and so it's a reminder for us uh, and so certain so there are moments where there's a certain the alchemy of certain ratios and combinations and lyrics and tones where it's just like wow yes oh my god (laughs) yes you know (laughs) and that can happen infinite times Mm -hmm. and that's what i live for Uh, Mm -hmm. but on medicine man there's nothing like it and i think that's why almost every ceremony indigenous ceremony that we have an example of its ancient lineage uses music as the vehicle of the ceremony. It is the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why. And and we can't ignore that uh, ac- across cultures. So um, I think it's the key. It's a very useful key to unlocking 
a pretty powerful inner door. Mm. And on a most practical level, sound is frequency. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite literally, and it's a physical sensation of pressure waves. So not even metaphysical at all. I'm just saying like it is about various forms of, of frequency relationships of those together, the harmony, the math of that, and the what kind of shapes. It actually creates these um, sort of physical shapes that you can see them quite easily with cymatics, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that stuff's very real. And, and it's, it, we feel it physically. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, it's no surprise that it can, you can also use sound as a weapon. You know, mm-hmm. you could kill someone with sound. You can break things with sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just one of the main substrates of existence and it's cool that we can play with it. I remember the first time that I listened to a couple of the songs on the Ram Dass album. I was actually just coming out of a solo sit with Plant Medicines. And um, it's kind of cool how you can put this like video loop on your your songs on Spotify now. And I was listening to one of the songs and there was this this video of you playing on the piano with this like soft sunlight coming through the window. And it just made me cry. It was so tender. I was in such a tender place and there was something just so beautiful about the way you were playing. And I've also been such a big fan of Ram Dass and his teachings. And I thought, gosh, what an honor it must have been to spend some of those last years of his life with him and receive these teachings from him. And really just so remarkable that, you know, he also found his path of spirituality through his journey work with psychedelics. I'm so curious, you know, what were some of the gems that came from that time? Yeah, total honor. He does say uh, in the song Home on that record, I asked him about psilocybin and, you know, how it's going through this whole renaissance and so forth. And the first thing he said is that psilocybin is is his friend. And then it started him on his spiritual path. Psilocybin is my friend. Psilocybin got me onto the spiritual path. My first trip, I did it with with Tim Leary and Alan Ginsberg. We were in the kitchen in Tim's house, but the talking was too much for me. So I went into the living room, which was dark, and I sat down on the couch, and I thought, I have my body at least, but I looked down, there was the couch, there was no me sitting on the couch. Body. 
sort of like pause for a minute and think what that he's saying he's basically saying <laughs> mushrooms made him ramdas like we wouldn't have ramdas and his whole journey was like he lit a fuse when he had that first journey with alan ginsburg timothy leary <laughs> ramdas and he's just at a house and he's sitting on the couch and he, he his body disappeared and he's like oh my gosh um and i he felt that oneness and that ineffable feeling for the first time. So in the depth of it, and it, it awakened something in him that wanted to be awakened. And it turned into a flowering of his life path, being an example of his work, and then him touching many millions of people. I mean, it's profound. It's mm -hmm. profound. So getting to, to cross paths with him in such even a small way and and weave with him it was a, an honor to unwittingly be with him for his last two years of his life i suppose we knew he wasn't going to be alive that long because he was very old but and frail but you never know when someone's going to pass and he died a few days within the release of the final release which was a called the reworks album it's kind of a, the last thing we put out it's just it was right around the solstice of the winter and it's it was not at all a final moment uh it certainly marked the end of his incarnation but for me personally it just felt like things really continued and continue to blossom mm. and i feel the relationship i have with him and with Maharaji, his own guru feels very alive and and continuing and continues to unfold in different ways, like webs of connection. And so I'm I'm just very humbled by it. And I'm very grateful that it could happen at all and that we had the opportunity to do it. And then he was able to speak that day. And it really became, I believe, his last recorded final teachings. We didn't know that at the time, you know, but if I was there a little later, so, I mean, the next time I saw him after that, the next retreat in Maui, so it's like, I don't know, another season or two later, he wasn't really speaking anymore. He couldn't really, it was just presence. So you can't really record that. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, and what he, what he did record for the record was so masterful, like so incredible. Uh, you know, 50 years of experience of teaching. It just, he just came alive inside the technology of the recording where I could remove his pauses and put, put it in the music into the rhythm. Now, all of a sudden it was like, holy shit, this is like a master, uh, fully present. And just like, he sounded like Gandalf to me or something. I was, it was, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Did he continue to journey with psychedelics as he worked with his guru in his later years or? Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he said a joke like, you know, when he's older, especially he's like, I don't do it that often, but you know, every now and then just so I can stay in the club. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he really needed it. Right? Mm -hmm. He was so uh, opened wide with love, but um, yeah, it's, it continued to be a powerful tool for him. Mm 
-hmm. But I think he had a, if I'm correct, he had a really complicated relationship with cannabis early on, just getting high in general in the early 70s, just really just trying to get away from this reality, always wanting to be high. Mm -hmm. And he had an awakening about like, what am I running from? Because I always have to come down. So maybe I should like stay and take the curriculum, which is life, as I keep trying to escape it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he had such a, a great, like, self-deprecating way of teaching, of using his own life and his own foibles as an example, because we all go through that. Mm-hmm. We all go through that. What do you say to the people who think that experiencing states of oneness or enlightenment through the portal of plant medicines is quote unquote cheating and that the true way is through spiritual practice and through meditation, for example? Um, I mean, maybe it's, maybe you can look at it as cheating, but it's like, you, you still have, everyone has to live in the privacy of their own hearts, as Ram Dass would say. And that's where the rubber meets the road. So if it helps you to go have an ayahuasca journey, or if it helps you to sweep the ashram floor, or if it helps you to raise your kids or all the above, um, it's all part of the show. It's all part of the school. I don't think there are any rules. And I would especially say these days, we need whatever works. Mm-hmm. We need all hands on deck to everyone to dive within and make enlightened, or should I say awakened conscious choice is what we need. And I believe that when you do that, we we move towards consensus and an attitude of us as opposed to me. And it becomes one more of service inevitably. I mean, you know, the real proof is in the pudding is, is, is someone through their psychedelic work becoming more self-aggrandized and divisive or are they becoming uh their life is more in balance Mm -hmm. and their rhythm in the world Mm -hmm. uh for them is working better i believe that to be a litmus test because i believe we're here to engage with the world some people try they need to escape it for certain times that's i suppose they're right but it's not easy to do and for most of us that's not an option and anything that's making us divided, I feel is just a kind of delusion. Uh, that's just where that's just what I believe in my heart. So I've certainly seen people who are diving in and I would not say their life is a very good example of awakened living. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the journey they're on. And uh, you know, I hope that they can snap out of it. But it's hard for me to judge where they're at in their journey. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not going to like embolden them in that process or I don't want to feel enmeshed or, you know, I'm, I'm helping them out. You know, it's sort of like, I, I always disallow foolishness is one of my favorite of the 10 laws that is referencing a song of mine because um, it really, it helps when you disengage with foolishness of, of yourself, of course, but others, you're just not making more of it. <laughs> it's like, don't, don't be an enabler, you know, don't put any fuel in the fire. Mm-hmm. Just disengage. 
Yeah, I'm so curious what your take is on these just super polarized, divided times. Just any thoughts you feel like sharing in general? Um, Just to speak to sort of the division and let's call it the sharpening of the blade of some of the work and how some of it's been co-opted now by right-wing ideas, or I should say there's a sharing of, you know, which no one ever would have thought that would ever happen. Or well, I'm just, I'm just assume people know some about that. Um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's good. I really do think that the, the friction is good. Not because I want to see friction. I just think it's leading to a place of education and more, sharpening of the blade. Uh, there's been some, in some circles of new age thought, I find it a bit lazy. And I'm saying there's nothing wrong with being specific or learning more or listening to how, who are we, who's being left out or how do we, how do we, like accessibility mm-hmm. on a social level and an economic level, racial level and economic, as separate issues and combined issues is probably, I think, the leading edge of psychedelics right now. It's not the legality. That used to be this leading edge. Now that's the second issue. There's, and they are, they're related, of course, but the, the most difficult question is how do you make this useful and relevant to different types of groups and people? And I don't have the answer to that. It's a very complicated question, but I've learned a hell of a lot in the last year just from listening to other people. And um, it's it's pretty fascinating you know, to think like, it's not for me to, to figure out the answer for everybody, but uh, it's not just about, you know, like what might make me feel safe in a journey and the protocol I come up with might not make somebody else feel safe. There's not a universal way. Now, we there's, there's things about human nature that we've learned that do help, right? Like the kind of mindset you're in and there's lots of things that we know help that are kind of just basic human things, but you got to feel safe. And everyone feels safe for different reasons and from they're coming from a different place. Um, I'm curious to ask you about um, the movement towards medicalization. You know, sometimes the best support system that a person can have in a psychedelic journey is like literally the person who's present, you know, the, the guide who is just there. Um, and now there's such a huge movement towards, of course, um, people feeling like they need to pay a hundred thousand dollars and get a two year degree in psychology to be like a legitimate, you know, guide. You also mentioned, you know, over the years of like the underground support that you guys done that you had just like intuitively cultivated protocols for safety and things like that. And integration wasn't even a word two years ago. And now you hear psychedelic integration everywhere. So the movement's definitely moving in a, in a good direction. But what's your feeling around um, for people listening? There are a lot of people who have this question around psychedelic leadership and qualifications and training. And, and we're now seeing like really the medicalization of it. So what are your thoughts around that? So I think it's great to learn and for us to be doing research, but I do not want to see it behind a paywall in, inside a broken medical system where it's thousands of dollars, which that's a problem. It really is. And and I also, when everything's decriminalized, if we go that model, I certainly believe in the democracy of, I should say, I guess, access, but then we just get to like, how do we make it safe and how do we provide information? And, you know, and, and that's an interesting question. I think we're, again, we're in this process. It's going to be a bit messy. These mistakes are being made and will be made. 
but I applaud that we're trying to dive into it because we have to. Here we are. And uh, we're figuring this out as we go. But I, I tend to focus on, from my own experience, what I found is helpful for people and what can just help them have a successful, positive journey out of my own compassion for them. I just, I don't want them to go through something they don't need to, but I'm not trying to have them avoid conflict at all. It's a whole part of the journey is that kind of friction, but I'm just trying to provide tools. I, I don't know. I just, I didn't think I'd be in this position necessarily, but I, I didn't, I kind of accidentally found myself filling a hole. I wasn't seeing filled. Not, I didn't set out to fill it. It's just like once I started doing it, it's like why, nobody else is doing this. Like no one else is creating music to to guide this or specifically. And I guess I can understand why it's there wasn't really a marketplace for that, and not that many people were interested in it. And um, it's also highly experimental; it might not work. But my, it's just what I was interested in my heart. So it felt like my own dharma. So I don't, I don't know if that answers your question specifically, but. It's a bit of a, a rant about it. Yeah, I really appreciate your perspective on things, honestly. Um, do you have any just different kind of integration tools that you recommend that you feel like putting out there? Um, for me, one of them, I I love my spiritual teacher, Pema Chodron. She has amazing audiobooks. And I always recommend, I was like, you know, teachings like that are like the day to day. Like I listen to those on a daily basis mm-hmm. and they remind me of how to show up as a compassionate human being. And I'm learning all the time, but it's helpful to have a teaching like that, for example. I'm just curious if you have anything Besides like the main integration support, which is like get enough sleep and get some sunlight and take care of your body and go for walks. All that's true. And I think practice what you're touching on, like something that you can drop into is really helpful and important. I think we overlook the role of service as a teaching tool and a tool of integration, a tool of getting out of our own head and trying to figure things out. So in some ways, like if you want to feel whatever it is, secure or integrated, what can you do to make somebody else feel secure and integrated? And you'll, you'll find the teaching in that. I, I think oftentimes through psychedelic work, let's just call it what people go through an awakening or whatever you want to call it. Just a way of saying they're lifting the veil of their delusions, perhaps. They often find themselves drawn towards service of just being connected to others and wanting to help others and not being as interested in the things that are only self-serving so I would just want to throw that into the mix because sometimes we're so focused on hmm. what am I doing to figure out these thoughts in my head? And, and uh, so maybe it's, it's helpful to get out of that head and allow the body to teach and allow the, uh, the life and the medicine itself to think about it being just imbued into your life now across time. It's like, how is everything going on? A reflection of my that journey I had and the intention I had for going into it. What if it's still in an echo of that? What does it mean now? It's not like that was gone and over. It's like I'm, it's all still here. And so it's keeping this mindset of the layers that have no interest in time. They're just sort of always present across time. Are you actively working with psychedelics or journey work to help with your creative process? Well, my partner is a ketamine therapist here in town. So the last year 
that's just been more accessible to me to join in her. She does group therapy sessions. And so that's been, uh, yeah, that's been a pretty helpful and powerful. And I've actually been playing around with writing some music to guide that, which isn't uniquely different in how I would do it for mushrooms, but just more like the structure and flow of it. How would so, you how would you say you've noticed the ketamine experience influence? It, would you say it's different in the sense of like you know that afterglow that you get with ayahuasca or with psilocybin? And I, for me, I have these like very distinct experiences of like my opening of my creative channel, like flow. Do you get do what what kind of like mental cognitive behavioral differences do you notice from ketamine? Well, I I can't say I have definitively an answer, but for myself, I guess I've been interested in how it can help me lower anxiety. So it's more like at its best, like a few days later, or maybe even a few, you know, into weeks or months, I might notice that I'm more grounded. Mm. Um, like I have a lot of things going on, particularly now and in the pandemic, it's been pretty stressful and like... A lot of irons in the fire and a lot of non-traditional things. So it's just things where you're trying to invent the path as you go. And I enjoy the work, but it can be really overwhelming at times. And I don't want to feel overwhelmed. It's not, mm -hmm. I want to feel present and mm -hmm. fulfilled and not like I'm always running or chasing something. So I think it, it's helped me, it's helped me feel calmer, I think. Mm -hmm. But man, it is a strange medicine. I can't, uh, it's, it, I feel like it's a mimicker. Like it mimics all of the great psychedelics and it can have any flavor of it or all at once. It feels like space medicine. It's extremely powerful. So I have, I have a lot of respect for it. It just, because I'm like, this is really, really strong. And uh, I go into it with caution. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I haven't uh, traversed into the ketamine territory, and I feel like I'm I'm also approach, approaching it with a lot of caution around uh, just some of the behavioral tendencies I've seen in terms of like you know party usage uh, and addiction. Around I mean, you say that. the same thing of mushrooms or you know mm -hmm. acid. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want with it. It just you know most people with mushrooms haven't sat in a circle or a ceremony. 99% of people, they've, they've had really maybe really positive experiences, but they've been outdoors, they've been with friends, they've been mm -hmm. doing stuff. And I'm not saying that's a worse way, but most people just haven't had that structure. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it, it the, the role of ritual and ceremony is it adds a huge change into mm -hmm. the experience. Mm -hmm. I heard that you were hosting something similar to online ceremonies during the pandemic. I mean, similar to the, the question around, you know, ethics and how you feel in putting out music called Music for Mushrooms, you know, how has that been for you in terms of, of you know, holding space through Zoom online? You know, on one hand, we could say that this is a time where all hands on deck, we need all the support that we can get. And other people might perceive that as irresponsible. What's your take on that? the same friend who kicked me into this 12 years ago, it's like right when the pandemic hit a year ago, actually, he said, you know, this, we're going to do it this Saturday. And I think you should stream. And I was like, I've never streamed live. I don't know how to do it. And he's like, Oh, you'll figure it out. Blah, blah, blah. 
and he just set it up and I just tried it and it was going to be just for our, like a small circle. And I thought, well, why not just, it's on the internet. Why not just make it whoever wants to watch and people engage with that in many different ways, but it's thousands of people around the world. Hmm. It's crazy. Like I never would have done that before. Mm-hmm. So people found that really helpful and I'm just like, well, I, I never would have considered doing such a thing. Uh, mm. So it's another gift in a way of thinking outside the box because you were forced to. Mm-hmm. And I recorded those sessions and I'm working on a record that's essentially like a volume two for the music for mushrooms. And it's all ceremonies during the pandemic where I was here in my studio doing it the same way I do it when the people are in the room with me, but they weren't, they were on another side of, a, of various screens in these virtual circles uh, doing their work. How are you framing it for people? Were you calling it a plant medicine ceremony? Were you just calling it a ceremony? I mean, you know, that's a, that's a tricky line there. I, I just explained what I'm going to do and recommended ways, just, just things like how, so the internet, you know, recommendations just so it would be successful on a technical level. And then it's sort of like, I don't, I don't even know who's out there. I'm just looking at a computer. And so it's like, if I tell you that, look, I'm planning on playing for three or four hours, I'm going to do my best to not stop. I'm going to improvise. I'm going to try and get into a flow state in a zone. Uh, some people are like, wow, this sounds really great for a mushroom journey. <laughs> some people are like, this sounds really great to hit, you know, my jacuzzi. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I can't control that, but I will set the stage to help them, you know, by starting it with invocation, by starting it with some meditation and doing my best to take them into the mental state that if they're giving me their attention, well, I'm going to help you do everything I know how to do with words and music to guide you through, but the rest is up to them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not telling anyone to take any particular medicines or not. I'm saying, I, I'm saying, I don't know, you know what I mean? But I'm just another thing on the internet. It's like, there's infinite hmm. forms of God knows, you know what I mean? So they're, they're choosing to be there for a reason. And I was like, well, then I'll steer the ship while we're doing this mm-hmm. and I'll let you know what to expect. Um, but I have to recognize what I can control and I can. And I, you know, I, I do go into it kind of careful where I'm not ex- asking people to take risks they don't feel good about or do something that's, you know, dangerous in any way. So it's like, mm-hmm. But there's just no way to cover all those bases. I mean, frankly, most bands who, like Cigarose is one of my favorite groups. And they would say, yeah, people take a lot of drugs at our concerts, but we do not write music for people to take drugs to. That's not our intention. But people keep doing it. And it's like, okay. You know, I mean, I can't control what the audience does and where is their viewpoint. And I happen to be making music that is, in that experience, it's well-suited and designed for uh, guiding a psilocybin experience. But... The way the world works, um, I, I cannot engage fully in certain ways. And I also can't, so there's like these inherent separations. We're in this like transitionary period where we have to take little leaps of faith mm-hmm. in order to, to do anything. And we try to do that just measuring our risk as we go. Mm-hmm. Did you have people reach out to you expressing that they had a beautiful journey after that? that they journeyed and then it oh, was yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, many people. And people were very generous by, I, I offered it as a gift. And so they're providing donations. And I was, I was very pleasantly surprised by people's financial su- support and just the way that echoes out there in the world, just by sort of taking that leap of faith and just offering it. And that's why we did it again, because we found it was meaningful for people, even just to like when things were so high stress last spring, mm-hmm. it was really scary. And particularly for medical professionals, just to have a night to be like, okay, I'm going to take four hours, turn everything off this Saturday night and just like let go and nourish. And it just felt really needed and also to feel like they're connecting maybe with some people that they couldn't in person. Mm-hmm. Did you offer any integration after? Is that any part of what, what was part of that process? Yeah, with, with our circle, yeah. And then I did, uh, I experimented with these councils online that people could sign up for. Hmm. And I called it East Force Council. And it was like a group on Zoom. We meet before, the day before, and then the morning after. And I've actually turned that into a Patreon now. It's not around any journeys. It's more just like, hey, what would it be like if we had a monthly council mm-hmm. where we can meet and track each other? And so that's something I actually just started. But it was birthed out of out of that experience with these virtual ceremonies. Awesome. And I'll put that link in the show notes for anyone who's a fan and wants to join in that Patreon offer. Um, so we're just going to wrap up here. Is there anything that you would love to leave our listeners off with today? Any wisdom, advice, anything that's still on your mind that you'd love to express before we wrap up? I, I just think people could do a little more yoga and eat more ice cream. And they could be <laughs> better off. Mm, just like any kind of Whatever ice cream. Whatever your favorite flavor yeah. is, you go, you go get it and you enjoy that. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. <laughs> but do a little yoga too. Yeah, <laughs> do a little yoga. It can be child's pose, you know, that's cool. You know, whatever you need it. You don't have to be a yogi. Just do a little child's pose. Mm-hmm. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. As I said, there's been moments where I've had you very present in my subconscious realms, whispering just, yeah, what felt like support and encouragement through some very difficult moments in my own life, exploring my own realms of consciousness. So Uh, great to hear that. And you know, the thing whispering to you is the same thing that whispers to me. It sounds like maybe it is coming through my voice, but it's the all that is. It's both of us. It's all of us. So um, I'm glad to hear when it's echoed out there and you hear it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for tuning into an episode of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. If you've been enjoying this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could share it with a friend or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or leave a review on iTunes. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please feel free to reach out through my website, livefreelauraD.com or reach out on Instagram at livefreelauraD. As I mentioned, I'm also on Clubhouse at Live Free Laura D. And if you'd love to join my weekly rooms on Tuesday evenings between 6 and 8 p.m. PST, we talk all things microdosing every Tuesday. 
If you're an entrepreneur and you already have a microdosing practice and you'd love to gather with a group of exceptional human beings, then please check out my three-month program coming up called Microdosing Mastermind to help you leverage a conscious microdosing practice to tap into flow states, think more creatively, and expand your reach of influence. I'm going to end this episode off by leaving you with another wonderful song by East Forest called We Are Truth featuring Ram Das. And if you'd like to tune in to more of East Forest's wisdom, he has a podcast called 10 Laws with East Forest, and I'll include that link in the show notes. Once again, my name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. Until next time. The universe is a manifestation of the one. And the oneness is inside the soul. The soul is our real self. ego is who we think we are, and the soul is really, really who we are.
souls love one another. Manifestations. <laughs> <laughs> 